the discussion point here is how to create the most flexibility and responsible leverage for a client. You need to have some flexibility built into any strategy where you're not just locked into something that's rigid. It's not going to give you some opportunity to take advantage of those changes as they come along. Welcome to the Next Level Advisor. For today's discussion, we are going into a topic everyone's been hearing a lot about lately, premium financing. Jason Bork sits down with Brad Ewing, a financial advisor from Baton Rouge, to hear how his approach to this sometimes controversial strategy helped him land one of the largest cases of his career and transformed his initial skepticism into success. First of all, number one, I, I, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you, how much we appreciate having you as kind of a partner to our firm and, and really been, uh, you've been incredibly successful uh, in the space and in, in, in the planning space, specifically around premium finance. And this is a really crazy and interesting time. And because of that, I think there are some unique opportunities, but I also think your perspective would really help a lot of financial advisors understand kind of how to navigate some of that discussion. And that's one of the first things I want to ask you is in this environment right now where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having this conversation with you from my home and you're sitting in the office, but all these discussions are virtual, you know, in this environment, how are you engaging conversations with your clients, Brad, in this environment? Yeah, I think that's, you know, something, a challenge we're all obviously struggling with and figuring out how we're going to do business and, you know, some of these things probably will become permanent going forward. You know, I think some of these things like virtual, these types of calls, and now that we're able to do DocuSign on a lot of these things, that's, you know, one great thing that's kind of come out of this is we've really been using that almost exclusively on trying to get things signed and most everything we can do via DocuSign. Uh, so that's been very helpful. We've, we've done, uh, we're going to be closing here in the next week, another significant case that's a premium financing case. And since the original meeting with the client, I've not seen him face-to-face since. We've been able to do everything through email and through DocuSign. I think it's important too, Brad, for people to understand because before you engaged Bob and saw the SFI structure, can, can you just give me or give, you know, give the folks that are listening to this kind of an outline of what your thought process was around premium finance before? Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, point. I was pretty slow to come around to to even taking the time to sit down and watch Bob's presentation because I've been in the insurance business a long time and was very familiar with premium financing. Had engaged in in, uh, in that a few times over my career and had never really placed one, uh, mainly because the long term interest rate risk. And that was what we never could get completely comfortable with, uh, was the exposure of the interest rates 20, 30 years out. And then I didn't want to be sitting here when I was getting ready to retire and having all these policies blowing up. And so we just never really were able to get completely comfortable with it to where we you know, felt like it was a, the right fit. Um, when we sat down and, and watched um, Bob's presentation, the minute he started talking about limiting the interest rate risk, you know, to the 10-year loan period, everything just kind of immediately to me, you know, kind of changed in my thought process on, on premium financing. I kind of started thinking, why hadn't anybody figured that out before? Why hadn't I figured it out before? But um, anyway, that is really what led me around to this product. You know, we took it immediately to two 
very prominent local CPA firms um, and wanted them to vet it for us. And look, nothing's completely devoid of risk and there's risk in this as, as well, but it's calculated risk and it's manageable risk. And I think um, while, you know, there is some risk components to it, Bob and his team and, and have done a great job of, of minimizing that and, and leaving um, levers, as he likes to call them, that we can pull in the event things don't go exactly the way we anticipate that, that's going to keep this thing from going south. The discussion point here is how to create the most flexibility and responsible leverage for a client to, to get that result. And, and that's where we got really comfortable with it as well. So it's amazing because you know, the way that you describe that, it really resonates with the, with the way that we looked at the program as well. It, it took us almost 10 years to get to a place as a firm where we said, okay, we're ready to get behind this strategy because we, we actually f- found somebody who is not just interested in looking at the risk, but created a program that's basically, you know, focused on all of those risk levers within the transaction. So we were really kind of in the same boat. Yeah, I think that the flexibility of the program is really key. You know, back when my days uh, with Lincoln, I was a, a career agent with Lincoln for 20 years, and we used to do, you know, these comprehensive fee-based financial plans. And uh, it was funny because a lot of times it would take a year or so to do the full plan, and and you know, by the time we finished, half the stuff in the plan had changed. And so, you know, you kind of came to realization, and that's what we always tell our clients: is the only thing I can for sure guarantee you is that sooner rather than later, but definitely at some point. Your, your situation is going to change. You know, you're going to start a business, sell a business, have children, have grandchildren. You know, it's always evolving and hopefully for the better. But reality is, is that there's times when that's not going to be the case. And you need to have some flexibility built into any strategy um, where you're not just, you know, locked into something that's rigid, that, that's not going to give you some opportunity to, you know, take advantage of, of those changes as they come along. Yeah, that flexibility is key, you, you know, whether it be, you know, structuring things like maybe even asking the client to come out of pocket with some additional funds, right? Maybe to pay some more principal down if we want to reduce collateral, if we want, you know, it depends. Like you said, the client's circumstance or situation changes. You're a thousand percent correct there. Let me, let me ask you this. You mentioned this earlier when we first got on the line, Brad, you were talking about this environment right now. Why would you say now is the right time to engage in this discussion? Because we we do see, obviously, from an interest rate perspective, this is something that you brought up, but maybe you can kind of elaborate on that a little bit and tell me why you think this is a good time to engage in this conversation. Yeah, I think the you know, obvious reason is I look here today, the Dow is at 23 and change. You know, it was um, you know, almost a 30 before this happened. So we've obviously seen a, you know, a tremendous correction. Everybody's aware of that. And, and most people realize that there's a real opportunity there. So from that perspective, getting into a policy like this, you would anticipate that the next few years, um, if you think the market's going to recover over the next 12 to 18 months, could be really beneficial from a timing standpoint with the, with the valuation of the market, with the interest rates. And being that, um, you know, when we started running these illustrations before, we were looking at interest rates you know, just a little under four. And now we're running them at, at around 2.8. And so what that allows, and, and I think most people will understand this, is it just, it allows you to borrow more money, which, you know, that you've got to make sure the client understands that, but it allows for the same, let's just use the $50,000 you're paying or the client's going to pay out of pocket in, in principal and interest payment. 
Well, now where that used to be that you could borrow $228,000 for that, you know, now it's gone up significantly to almost 300,000. And so you're able to get a lot more money into the policy for the same out of pocket to the client than you were even just a couple of months ago, which just increases that leverage um, that they're going to get in the, in, the, in the income numbers, projected income numbers, the death benefit numbers, everything just looks, you know, really great. So for clients that I had initially shown this to who were maybe kind of, you know, considering it or in different stages of, of, of being engaged, well, now that going back and showing the new numbers, like I said, if they liked it before, they really like it now because the numbers are just all better across the board. I was on a call with an advisor the other day that Mike had set up and asked me, how do I get them to quit thinking about insurance? And I, and I don't even really ever bring up the insurance. I just tell them it's a premium financing concept. I don't know if they even really, they figure out, you know, and we get to the insurance when they see the death benefit on the, but obviously I don't necessarily lead with that. And so it's, you know, I kind of go at it from more of a conceptual standpoint than a product. And so we will kind of use, you know, hey, there's a $10 million building over here and you can buy it for $500,000. you are going to be able to pay that $500,000 over 10 years. Now, you can't sell the building until you die. But when you do, your family's going to inherit the building. It's now going to be worth $15 million tax-free. And oh, by the way, you've pulled out $5 million tax-free in rent over a period of time. And kind of back to your point of potentially having to put in more money there again, back to the real estate analogy, we, you know, say, yeah, yeah, you know what, you bought that building, you thought it was a great investment, some things didn't go, you had to put a new roof on it, you know, you had to replace the air conditioning units. Does that mean it wasn't still a good deal? No, it was still a great deal. Did it affect your IRR when you had to put some extra money into that building? Yeah, it brought it down a little bit, but it was still a heck of a deal for you. And so I think when you kind of get people thinking about that in a tangible way, as opposed to focusing on it being a life insurance policy, and you kind of really start to think about it like that, that that's something that has resonated pretty well with a lot of our people. You know, I think about the power of leverage. It's, it's really the conversation that we've been having, because like you said, right, if, you, if you're a client right now that's experienced a 25, 30% hit to your portfolio, the wealthy enough clients that you're talking to about premium financing, right? Those clients that are looking at that portfolio to potentially maybe, you know, uh, uh, deliver some retirement income or what have you. The, the only real way you're going to get that client back, depending on the, obviously the client's age, but you're going to get that client back to the place where they were is by utilizing leverage, right? It's a much quicker jump. You know, let's say you're, you're beyond the death benefit discussion here and you're into more of the income discussion. That income, the leverage utilized to generate that income can bring some people back to what they were pre-market correction. For people who we already manage assets for, it's an easier sell because we're kind of positioning it as a, don't think of it as at money you're spending out of pocket. You know, we're in, in certain cases here, we're funding the principal and interest payment out of, from their investment. So it's really almost like a reallocation of assets. And we had one case where the guy was going to fund $100,000 a year for 10 years. And so he wanted to just give us a million dollars. And, you know, we were able to go and say, it's not going to really cost you that because you're going to fund it over 10 years. So we ended up backing into the math and it's only going to really end up because if we assumed a, a rate of return, right, that we could really do it for about 750 because over that 10 year period, because as that we weren't just dumping it all in at one time and we're going to, you know, and so got some ways where we've kind of been creative. The, the industry must make the shift 
they have to remove the thought process of trying to fear a client into purchasing insurance and getting into a more logical conversation, as you said, where we're taking a client's investment portfolio and we're saying, look, we're not, there really isn't a cost here. This is, this is just kind of a reallocation. We're taking money from one bucket and we're allocating it into another to, to create this non-correlated asset for you. It's all still a part of your overall portfolio. And it's not about, let me scare you to death about what's going to happen when you die and you know who has to be paid off and what we have to do with the IRS. Let's make this more of a financial discussion because it'll resonate with more clients, I think, um, especially when we're talking in the financial, I mean, you, you know, you're sitting in a financial advisory space. I think it resonates more with clients and moving away from that fear discussion. Really, the majority of these cases, the key to the client deciding to engage and move forward has been because of the potential for, you know, the tax-free income and the death benefits just kind of, uh, oh, by the way, you know, here's this, you know, you're going to have this other benefit. They do see it more as a, as a part of their portfolio and as an asset, which it, it is. It's a li- living, breathing, you know, thing. It's not something that's going to be a set it and forget it type deal. And I think that's another key component is to ensure the client that you're going to be there to, uh, that this is going to be at a minimum, a 10 year relationship, likely much longer than that, but that we're going to have to, th- you know, we're going to have to take care of this thing all along the way and that we're going to be there for you to, to do that. You know, that's an interesting transition, Brad, because I want to ask you another question about the process, right? So I want to move into, so you've, you've engaged some of these conversations um, and, you know, you, you, you were, you've been really successful in, in getting some of these cases across the finish line, but maybe you can let, uh, let the people that are listening know what, what the actual process was like, because I know uh, Bob Strauss flew down there to Louisiana. He was met with you and your clients. So maybe you can speak a little bit to kind of that piece of the process, how kind of the team comes together with you. Now, I think you're at a place where you don't necessarily need that kind of support, but, um, you know, I know you had Andy Winehouse on a couple of calls with some of the attorneys and you had Bob engage with your clients. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's really key. I'm glad you brought that up, Jason. Knowing that uh, we have Bob and, and Chris and Andy on the you know next point side behind us on this. And, you know, we did a good bit of due diligence on checking those guys out, too, to be honest with you. These are, you know, big cases. There are a lot of details and they really know what they're talking about and, and are very astute on it. From the perspective of the of you guys and, and Mike Ludwig in particular, who I work directly with, I feel like I talk to him more than I talk to my wife sometimes, but he has been terrific, you know, all the all the crew. But, um, you know, I have here this base camp set up, which if you start doing uh, these premium financing, you know, you'll be familiar with what I'm talking about, where anytime anybody that's working on the case adds anything to a case, we all can see it. And so, you know, I'm not having to constantly send emails asking where we are with the offer letter from Winfrost or has the money been, why, you know, we're all able to communicate and everything and it, is, has access to all the illustrations, all the forms, all the documents, all the client information. And so I've been very pleased with with the support of NextPoint and with Pinnacle. And I think it's been a, a real good relationship and we've been very pleased with that. Yeah, Brad, and listen, I can't tell you how much we, you know, we appreciate that too. I, I, I try to explain to advisors when I'm talking about this process, especially for the advisors that are just getting into it. Make Just make sure the clients understand that you're going to be 
there's going to be multiple times where you're going to have to come back and ask them for something else. or you're going to need something else. You know, there's, there's always going to come a time in this transaction where there's something additional that's needed. And I, you know, we try to set that expectation up front, not just with the advisor, but just tell the advisor to set that expectation with their client. Yeah, that is a, that's a good point. I mean, it's, it's and that definitely adds the, the loan uh, adds a level of complexity to this uh, in addition to, uh, you know, a traditional insurance arrangement. Uh, but I will say, Trust has been, that's, you know, who we've dealt with exclusively on, my, on the loans I've done, and I think who Bob is pretty much using exclusively now. And they've been very good to deal with. Um, you know, I did my case personally because I wanted to go through all that and, and see, you know, exactly so I could set the expectations for the client. And, um, and I, you know, there, there was some back and forth, but I'll be honest with you, it was probably even maybe less than what I kind of would have expected. I don't want to jinx myself here, but it's been, uh, been pretty smooth. Um, they're pretty good at looking ahead. And so they're not coming back to you every time, you know, they'll come back and say, here's a list of the things we need. Uh, it's not just, we need this. Well, now we need this. And so you're just going and, you know, the client 20 times. They're kind of they're pretty good at at uh, giving you all the information they're going to need, um, kind of up front, and and there is some some back and forth. But I I would say you know to an advisor out there that's thinking about doing this, don't let that scare you off because uh, that relationship has has worked fine. And I would also say, you know, with Bob and his group, you know, it could probably be a little bit intimidating um, if you you know you, you're going to feel like you're kind of out there on your own. But Bob and his team and, and Jason and Mike and, and their team have been great support for us and always know that, you know, we've had some things we've had to go back and something come up and we had to get an answer on and, and have been very responsive. And I never felt like I was kind of left out there flapping in the wind uh, that I really feel like everybody's kind of always has had my back with this, which has allowed me to to go out and do what I need to be doing, which is is visiting with people and, and trying to you know, sell the concept. So I appreciate all that. You seem to have a really good grasp on how to engage and move this discussion forward. So if I'm an advisor and I'm out in, you know, in Minnesota or an advisor in Chicago and I say, you know, I have these clients, I just don't know, really know where to begin. That's something that you would, you know, be able to do is to help kind of work with an advisor in partnership to work through one of these transactions. You know, I've, I've done joint work my whole career. I've always been a fan of doing joint work. Um, I've I think that I've probably learned more in this business, a lot more from doing joint work and working with people and seeing different people's uh, styles. I've learned a lot more than that uh, than I have from a book, you know, and so I would be uh, very open to having any discussions. Anybody wants to reach out and just pick my brain on something. I'm happy to do that um, just as a professional courtesy. And if, if anything more formal needs to, you know, uh, come in line where I need to, to come and try to help sell a case, we can always work out, you know, arrangements to, that are fair for everybody. And I'd be willing to entertain that as well. First of all, I look at just the amount of activity and the amount of business that you've been able to, to, to bring across the finish line and, and some of the, you know, the clients and some of the size of some of these transactions, probably one of the largest insurance transactions that took place in the United States in 2019 that you were able to bring uh, across the finish line. And, uh, you know, it'll be our hope to see if we can get, some of the advisors that are out there that that are interested in getting involved in this business to say, look, why don't you partner up with Brad? Because he's, he's shown that he can be incredibly successful here and really knows how to navigate these conversations and, and, and also really knows how to navigate the process. Yeah, I think it's easier sometimes to sell 
somebody else than sell a product, right? You know, and I mean, when we kind of started with this, you mentioned Bob came down from Connecticut to to meet with some clients. And at that point, I had a probably minimal knowledge of the product itself um, or understanding. I felt like I did, but now that I've realized, you know, as I've kind of gone through this and continue to learn. So I was basically at that point, I was selling Bob and his team and his expertise in this. And so uh, if I can help anybody out or, or be that caveat to uh, to move a case forward, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. Brad, when you were looking to start a conversation around this with a prospect, how would you do that? So the prospects um, primarily that we started with were uh, people that we were existing clients or that we had an existing relationship with. So when this premium financing came along, uh, as you know, the first case that we did was a case uh, that we had written $50 million of second to die on two years previously. And I went to the client and I just said, hey, we found a better mousetrap you know, we found something better. And, you know, I was hesitant to maybe go in there and, and you know, being that close to having put the business in force, but it was really what was best for the client. And so in the other cases, it's just been a simple call or run into a client and say, you know, I've got something um, that, you know, we've been working on. And, you know, it's just in the sm- general small talk. How are you? How's business? Man, I'm, I'm, it's really good. I've been really busy. I've We've been working on a new concept I'm really excited about, and actually it's probably something you should take a look at. I'm just, I've been meaning to get around to calling you about it, but I've just been so busy with it. But I'll give you a holler next week and, and kind of fill you in on it. That That's kind of just very relaxed and very low-key. You know, I, I try not to be salesman-y. And I always tell our clients, I'm never going to push something down your throat. Now, once we get to the point where you engage and you tell us you want to move forward. We're going to be very professionally persistent in getting that done and getting it done in a timely manner. Because if we sit there and all this gets, you know, whether it's setting up trust or estate planning or any of this, and it never gets executed, well, then it's been nothing but a waste of time for everybody. So, you know, each prospect's different, obviously, depending upon your relationship with them, how quickly you can maybe cut through some of the initial and how much trust, how much business you've already done, whether it's for a certain person, you're able to get further down the road quicker with with some people than others. Uh, so everybody's different. And that's where I think just goes back to knowing your client. And that's something that we have really great personal relationships with our clients. We're very aware of where they are in their life and professionally and their family and, and all those things. And so you kind of know uh, the more of that information you can gather and that data that you have, it allows you to... Uh, to, to expedite that, I feel like. Yeah, I love it. I mean, and this goes all the way back to setting expectations with your clients and talking to your clients about, you know, uh, look, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna, from time to time, there are gonna be things that come up that we, that we're gonna want to continue to put in front of you as we see them as innovative and, and as effective. And I just love the way that you do that, Brad. It's just, you know, very simple and easy way to engage a, con- a client in a conversation about the strategies. Brad, listen, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time today to have the have the discussion. And it's my hope, you know, that we can get to a place too where I can have you working with some of the fifteen thousand plus financial advisors that we support around the country where we can get you engaged with them and, and let them kind of leverage your expertise and move into some potential planning ideas for their clients. 